0: Hello, and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. I have to begin with a massive apology. I've been on the road for three weeks, and I thought I'd get a chance along the way to record the odd podcast and upload them, but I simply haven't had a moment to spare. There's a 10-day festival in Tamworth about five hours north of Sydney. I foolishly thought I'd have all this downtime, and didn't. I was so stressed out about not having a podcast locked and loaded, then I just thought, you know what, Dan? Sometimes things are beyond your control. I've just returned from a special one-off tribute show honoring my late brother Leo, and it was a magical night. There were pilgrims there, people who had listened to my podcast tribute to Leo, and they came to share his journey. It was a wonderful night, my journey with him. So please accept my most heartfelt apology for missing two weeks of the podcast. I certainly didn't mean to skip the episodes. Time simply beat me. This is a weekly podcast about the Camino de Santiago or the way of St. James. And St. James was one of Christ's apostles. He left Jerusalem shortly after Christ's death and travelled to the Iberian Peninsula and found himself fighting alongside the locals against the invading Moors. He was a great fighter, a great leader. He was killed by Herod on his return to the Holy Land. and His followers put his body in a stone boat and sailed his remains to Galicia where he was buried in a field. Hundreds of years later, a shepherd happened upon the tomb. It was determined to be the remains of St. James, and the Spanish built a majestic cathedral to house the sacred relic. Santiago de Compostela translates to St. James under a field of stars. If you walk one of the many pilgrimages that make up the Camino de Santiago, you will inevitably end up at the cathedral. More than likely, you'll receive a certificate commemorating your walk. It's called a Compostela. Pilgrims from all over the world gather in Santiago to celebrate the fact they've walked in the footsteps of millions of pilgrims before them, and indeed, in the footsteps of St. James. The Camino is truly a global phenomenon. It is a global community. You'll make friends for life on the Camino. They'll go back to their life, and you'll go back to yours. But you'll share something, a very special something, and somehow you maintain the connection. Washington Irving was an American writer, historian and diplomat. He said, sweet is the memory of distant friends, like the mellow rays of the departing sun. It falls tenderly, yet sadly, on the heart. My guest this week is an American pilgrim, Tracy Pawelski, a writer. She's on the line from Pennsylvania. Hola, pilgrim.
1: Hello there. Hola, Pilgrim.
0: <laughs> it's great to talk to you. And I talked in the introduction, Tracy, about the global Pilgrim family. And I understand that you met some Australians on a cruise in July.
1: I did indeed. And it was the first time that I heard your name. Not the last, but it was how I heard about you and your podcast, Dan. I was aboard the, uh, a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. I met two fellow pilgrims, and I want to give a shout-out to Lynn and Brian down under, down your way. And they told me so enthusiastically about your podcast. Dan, they even played somewhere along the way for me on their phone, so I could hear that wonderful, mellifluous voice of yours. They, they often said that they listen to um, your soothing voice as they fall asleep.
0: How fantastic. That's great. You know, in that same email you wrote to say, thank you for helping to keep the Camino alive in our hearts. Why do you think, Tracy, we strive to keep the Camino alive in our hearts?
1: Well, you know, we, we all have our own experience on El Camino de Santiago, but it has a way of teasing out all of these universal life lessons and these things that we share so that you have this great sense of the, the hu- of the humanity that we all share. So I, I just think that we're all hanging on to that, whether it's the mindfulness or that sense of community or the things that we learned from each other as we walked along the way.
0: And how, how did you first hear about it? Do you remember?
1: I do. I do indeed. In fact, it's a, it's a great place to begin the story. I first heard about El Camino de Santiago from my daughter Juliette. She was a high school exchange student in Bayona, Spain. She was sponsored by Rotary International, and she went outbound to Bayona, which, if you look at a map, is in that same northwestern corner of Spain as Santiago de Compostela. So she's a fluent Spanish speaker, and when she graduated from Gettysburg College... She decided uh, to go back to El Camino de Santiago, practice her Spanish, a language that she loves, and frankly, return to a part of the world that she once called home.
0: Wow. So how many years ago was that, that she was there as an exchange student?
1: She was there as an exchange student. She would have graduated in 2011.
0: Wow. Okay. And so let's take one step back to the United States. Is there a vibrant pilgrim community in Pennsylvania?
1: There is. In fact, we have a new um, chapter of American Pilgrims on the Camino based out of Carlisle. So I'm in central Pennsylvania and there's a wonderful college community here and quite a few pilgrims. We're right off of the Appalachian Trail. So you have a little bit of a culture of hiking and trekking and things like that that brings us together.
0: Lovely. Let me ask you a question because this will lead perfectly into the next half a dozen questions. Are you a spiritual person or are you a religious person? What what drew you to the to the energy of the Camino do you think Tracy?
1: Well, I I am a spiritual person Dan. Um but I wouldn't have necessarily described myself as a religious person although I grew up um with very uh, very much catholic roots. Um when I was Preparing for this journey, though, this spiritual aspect was a really important aspect. And, and actually, I, one, of the, one of the things I took along, and you know how, how careful everyone is about what you take with you, because yeah. um, you're carrying everything on your back and you're counting your kilos or your pounds. But I had asked my mother to um, if I could borrow one of my grandmother's rosaries, because she was very devout. And, you know, growing up, she didn't have a whole lot of money. So the idea of traveling, you know, somewhere like Spain was absolutely inconceivable. So, you know, it was a really wonderful thing as I went through those beautiful cathedrals and even the more modest churches, I would take my grandmother's rosary out and I would have her, uh, uh, give her a look around as well.
0: That's great. You know. When I think about that, when you were just saying it, I was thinking about my grandmother and she would never have even thought about going to Spain. It would have been preposterous to even think about it. Indeed. So, so haven't we? We've come a long way, haven't we? We're a very lucky few generations, aren't we? This, You know, now we can jump on a plane and go where we like, really.
1: Indeed. And, you know, I have always been... Um a traveler. And so this opportunity to go, to go to different places and immerse yourself in different cultures and to walk, to slow yourself down enough to really see a place, you know, up close and personal, how people live, what they do, what they eat, you know, how they love. That's what a, what a wonderful experience we're able to have.
0: Yeah, I've called it in the past, slow tourism, when you're walking mm. through those little towns and you're able to really soak it all up, I mean, even on a, on a driving tour, or even a bicycle tour, you're not nearly as slowly consuming and taking it all in, absorbing the culture. It's really a beautiful thing. Once, once you'd heard no. about it via your daughter and and you determined that you know this is something that you were very interested in, what prompted you to take the leap to finally do the Camino?
1: Well, I was at a stage in my career where I was looking for a next step, a next inspired step. I had had a a wonderful career most recently in the corporate community and, and done a lot of interesting things. But I do believe that every once in a while you need to reinvent yourself um, and you need to disrupt your comfort zone so that you can stretch both personally and professionally. So here I was, I was looking for my next inspired step. Juliet was setting out for, you know, for Spain. And so uh, I asked permission. I asked, can I come along?
0: And what did she say?
1: Well, you know, I, I think back on this and it, what what 21-year-old daughter really wants to walk 500 miles with their mom, <laughs> right?
0: Exactly. But,
1: but exactly. But kudos to Juliet for having the grace to say yes and to allow me to come along. And so we set off um, on what I thought was a mother-daughter adventure. And it didn't take me long to realize that this was my Camino. So
0: you... You set off with your daughter and you planned to walk 500 miles. Had you had a discussion before you left, we're going to walk together each day? Or had you simply said, we don't know what's ahead of us, away we go and we'll see how it pans out? Or had there been no discussion?
1: Well, I don't think we really, I we planned very differently. So here you have a mother and a daughter who are very different and who are in a state of transition, yeah. I think, as far as our own relationship went. Um, looking for common ground, getting ready to take this journey. Me, very type A, planning, you know, doing my preparations very diligently and with great intention, what I was going to take and what I was going to pack. And, you know, and here's Juliet, just, you know, just prepared to sh- not not to show up but you know pretty close to that where where a 21 year old doesn't worry about the same things doesn't go through the same sort of planning so you know while we got i think the lay of the land in discussions that we had together we didn't get to a point where it was um so detailed that we were talking about where we were going to stay every night and whether or not we were going to walk together each step of the way. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then it dawned on you very quickly that this was your Camino. And we're we're going to talk about your book, One Woman's Camino, which I found kind of interesting that it was called One Woman's Camino when you'd walked with your daughter. And I thought, wait a minute, how does that all work? So let's just take a step back How did your daughter feel about you realizing it's your journey?
1: Well, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I worried about, and worry, by the way, was part of my training as well, unfortunately. I think we we women and we mothers do that exceptionally well. Mm. And so, you know, I worried about... Uh, my mental fortitude and, and my, the, my physical endurance, would I be able to walk 500 miles? And I worried about my relationship with my daughter, you know, would this bring us together as I hoped and make us even closer through this shared experience or, you know, would it somehow be quite difficult and, and drive a wedge? So, um, you know, it, it turns out that we did have that shared experience But we didn't walk every step of the way together. Once we got the hang of things, and once we knew we were safe, and that's one of the beautiful things about El Camino, is that uh, women, even women alone, um, are safe and in the security most of the time of other pilgrims. But, you know, once we got the hang of it, I could say, um, I will meet you in five days in Lyon. Wait for me there app me every day. We used WhatsApp to communicate and let me know where you are and that you're okay. And one of the things that I think is kind of interesting is that gave her an opportunity for her own journey, for her own opportunity for reflection and the friendships and the conversations that you have along the way. And it gave me an opportunity for my own Camino as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's a lesson that a lot of us could learn. Um, Don't be frightened to create space around yourself to do a bit of self-discovery. I think that's terrific advice. But my question here is is written, and I'll ask it because perhaps it will resonate with you. Did you walk in harmony with your daughter?
1: Well, sometimes yes, and sometimes maybe not so much. Mm, mm. It's like any relationship. You know, the, the Camino is a metaphor for so many things, isn't it? But it's not a panacea. So it it requires us to, uh, you know, to, to to give and to take and to learn and to love and to hurt and to ache.
0: You say mothers and daughters have a special place in heaven, although I'm not sure that they are always seated right next to each other. There is nothing wrong with a healthy distance. It's not easy to be a mother nor a daughter, untangling the emotions that come with the territory <laughs> did the Camino make that easier to navigate that territory and the untangling I,
1: I, I think what Camino did in some ways is remind us that being connected by love doesn't mean that you have to take every step together
0: oh wow that's a great line yeah, being connected by love doesn't mean we have to take every step together. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a really beautiful thing to say. Uh, and, and so let's talk about the book, One Woman's Camino, and and the subtitle is "Each Step, the Promise of a New Beginning." How and why.
1: Well, let me start with the how. Um, I, was, I have been trained as a corporate writer. And writing a press release or a statement is very different than writing a book. So one of the things that was a very interesting process for me Um, When you're a corporate writer, it's all about brevity. It's all all about getting to the point and not Mm. burying the lead. And that does not an interesting book make. So when you're writing something that is in the genre of memoir, as you can understand, you know, you have to sort of dig a lot deeper, both personally, as well as, you know, learning to write. Because when people, when you say there was a heat wave on the Meseda, and there was indeed, people want to know, well, how hot was it? And was it so hot? that the sweat was running down your back and and uh, soaking your pack. Yeah. So the, the, the getting to it, I do a bit of public speaking and people would ask me, well, have you written this down in the form of a book? And I said, no. And I thought to myself, well, that would be something new. Perhaps I should give that a try. And so um, I began the, the, the journey of uh, taking what had been a blog and had been a wonderful connection to people who followed our journey and sort of walked with us in so many ways, metaphorically speaking, yeah. and um, had the rich details that you don't want to forget about the journey along the way. The, the why I wrote the book was to talk about the life lessons that are teased out on a long-distance walk like El Camino. You know, lessons that can become buried in a world full of distractions, in our work everyday world. So while the story is only my story, which is why I call it One Woman's Camino, you talk, Dan, to so many pilgrims who have such wonderful stories. This one is just mine. It's just one woman's journey. But I it to, to be especially encouraging to women who are looking for the confidence to take their next
0: step. Yeah. You wrote to me to say, as you know, from your own experience, Dan, and the many pilgrims with whom you speak, pixie dust on the Camino often reveals a deeper purpose. I, I thought that was beautifully written, the pixie dust, dust on the Camino. How, do you remember when you Realized this is actually my Camino here um, that did you remember, or do you remember when it dawned on you something very special is happening here
1: mm. I do I think I do it, it it happened so many times and it didn't take long that's for sure we um We started in saint Jean Pierre de port and uh, and walked to um uh, Santiago de Compostela. It took us 35 days. And just a few short days into the journey, we had crossed the Pyrenees and we were walking into Pamplona and it had been raining for several days and we were slogging these wet packs and tired bodies and wet feet into Pamplona. And I remember we, we found this this very unusual albergue on the edge of town that featured pods. Have you oh, ever yeah. heard of this one? Yes, I have. Yeah, yes, pods. I have. Yeah, Yes. And they and they also so not only did they have pods, but they had what was advertised as the best water pressure in Pamplona. (laughs) So when you're muddy and you're wet and, you know, a clean and tidy pod and uh, a piping hot shower are irresistible. So uh, so I remember walking into Pamplona and we found our albergue and I was feeling a little sorry for myself that day. Um, I was missing my husband, Rick. Um, Juliet and I were working hard to find common ground between mother and daughter, and we had shared some harsh words the night before, and um, it was my birthday. So I cleaned up, and I set out for the cathedral in Pamplona to shoot Mary a little prayer, because um, she had quickly become sort of my confessor, and I figured, okay, well, Mary's a mom. Maybe she'll understand maybe she 'll have some good guidance for me, and when I returned to the Albergue, Juliet and two Camino friends, Chuck from Ireland and Carolina from Amsterdam, were there with a cake and candles waiting for me oh. um, i don 't actually i don 't think it was so much a cake as a lovely Spanish tort, so we we went from there we had this cake and i 'm feeling a little better and i 'm feeling all you know the the celebrant if you will and walked down um, into Pamplona in search of Pinchos and Vino Tinto. And if you remember in Pamplona, and this was in June, many of the restaurants are open to the street. Yeah. So we watched this parade of pilgrims going by, uh, people that we had walked with or that we had spoken with along the way. And these four Swedes stopped in. It was 17-year-old Marvin and his 80-year-old grandmother, Anna, and two other Swedish women who would become great friends along the way, and they sang happy birthday to me in Swedish. And I had this moment of thinking, here we are just a few days into this journey, and already we were becoming a community of people, and in some cases, a Camino family. So that I think was the first moment of real pixie dust on Camino.
0: Yeah, great story. <laughs> What's one word you would use to capture your Camino experience?
1: One word. I, I guess it's community. Hmm. Um Camino reminds us that you know we're we are the, all in this soup together. And as you meet people from different countries and different walks of life, it doesn't matter. Um, the common thread between us, no matter what your background, your your political disposition, the human condition is the same for all of us.
0: Yeah. How, how does the Camino resonate now with you, Tracy, in your day-to-day life?
1: Well, the, it, I think hanging on to the mindfulness that you get on El Camino de Santiago is the hardest part. And I think that's part of the lesson as well, that for me and for Juliet walking 35 days, that you don't figure everything out in just 35 days. And so the lesson has been, how do you keep moving in the direction you want to go And if you do that, if you stay in motion and walking and long distance walking is such a a wonderful way of doing that, you look back at some point and you marvel at the distance that you've traveled and the legacy that you've left behind. So I hang on to my experience on El Camino de Santiago through the book, through the connections with people like you, Dan, and other pilgrims. Through um, book clubs and people that I talk to, one of the things that I found so incredibly rewarding and somewhat unexpected is I've, I've followed the book into all of these places that it has taken me, including as, as an example, uh, I spoke to a book club of Muslim women not too long ago, and they had read One Woman's Camino. Uh, As their monthly selection, we met at a, they invited me to come and speak with them. We met at a local Barnes and Noble, and I didn't have any trouble finding them with their, their colorful hijab. And we sat down, they were all from Pakistan, and it wasn't at all about the distance between us. It was about the common ground that we shared Mm. as mothers and as daughters They told me about a Muslim pilgrimage that people take to Mecca. I think it's called the Hajj. They said, well, we never knew there was a Christian pilgrimage called El Camino de Santiago. And so this opportunity to share these stories and to make connections with others, I think that El Camino de Santiago is like a doorway. It's like a threshold that you cross to share a conversation about something that's so much deeper than just the to-do list.
0: You really make things very simple, Tracy. You make sense of a lot of very complex things, and I suppose that's got to do partly with your professional life. You've extensive experience in strategic and crisis communications, and you and I both know that that's all about owning the story. Right. So what did you learn about yourself on the Camino de Santiago?
1: Oh, I have a whole chapter. Do you know what it's called, Dan? It's called forgiveness. Mm. And I don't know why I was seeking so much. I didn't know what I had to be forgiven for, Dan. I'm not a terrible person. I have <laughs> not done terrible things.
2: <laughs>
1: but, but, you know, you, you learn that you have to let go of that. Mm-hmm. Um, because what comes with it is nothing but sort of um self doubt and sometimes that kernel of resentment um that that we all have on occasion, and so I continue to be a work in progress. we are all still works in progress, but I did learn a lot of things through that process, and that um you know there's a little word um that's a it's a it's a very tricky word it's enough. And um, as you sort of go through life, you evaluate whether or not you are good enough um, or, or strong enough. And, um, you know, Camino has a way of letting enough be just what it is. And that is, you know, it perfect in its own way.
0: Wow. <laughs> you, you, worked ex- you worked extensively in politics, too. And do you think part of the allure of the Camino is a chance to step away from all of that, the hustle and bustle of life in modern times, particularly in, the, in 2020, we're bombarded with social media and media in general, it's everywhere we turn, we're being told what to think and what not to think and what to do and what not to do. And I couldn't help thinking while I was on the Camino, it was such a relief to be away from it all. You know, you, don't you, do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And I actually think that, that it, uh, for everyone who wants to run for office, walking El Camino de Santiago should be a prerequisite. Yeah. do you think?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But a humility <laughs> might do them good. Yeah. Indeed. And yeah, they're right. You know, you and your husband, Rick, teach skiing, right? We do. And it's all about balance. So, what did you learn about balance on the Camino?
1: Oh, you know what? I believe that the sweet spot, that joy in everything we do, lives in that sweet spot that we call balance. Um, Balance is such an interesting concept. If I can use a a skier's analogy, everything that um, we do to stay in control requires that we be in balance. And balance is not uh, back on your heels, but instead it's on the balls of your feet. And so that leaning into life, into your next adventure, into your next turn, if you're in fact on the piste and going downhill requires that you have a lot of faith, but that balance is actually a, is, is very much a forward motion mm. where gravity is your friend.
0: Mm. A forward motion, finding the balance in forward motion. That's right. There's a real analogy for life there, isn't there? A, a, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do your friends and family make of this, this pilgrim life? for Tracy Pawelski?
1: Well, I think that they love me for who I am and they have loved watching me do things the way I do them, which, you know, not everybody does things the same way. And I've always enjoyed a more unconventional path so that concept of reinvention or disruption is not something that's entirely new to me I've changed my career a number of times quite significantly and um and landed on my feet so I don't think they were terribly surprised you know I have a a wonderful family and support network and a husband who I love who did everything to encourage me to um to walk El Camino de Santiago. And I think that others would perhaps not be quite as, um, um, would not be quite as generous in that well of support. In fact, one of the things that my husband Rick did before Juliet and I went on El Camino de Santiago, and of course you know the the story at the Cruz de Ferro, how many pilgrims bring stones and memento mementos um from back home they bring them and then you the tradition of course is to leave them behind at the cruise and yeah. with that leave whatever it is that's um you know that's weighing you down and um we spend a lot of time on the eastern shore of the US in a place called Assateague Island and on Assateague, and there are wild ponies there, if you've ever heard, some people will know it, Misty of of Chincoteague and and, uh, and Assateague Island, but there are chunks of coal that you can find occasionally on the beach that have been washed up. And so Rick gave us these these two pieces of coal. And I think that there was such a lovely sentiment behind that. These were for us to leave behind at the cruise to Faro. And that, you know, coal under pressure turns to diamonds. And so this, this concept of, you know, the hardship or sometimes the hardest lessons that we learn are the ones that are, um, the best lessons are the ones that are learned um, the hard way, aren't they? Yeah. So there was a lot of support for you take that journey and you find what you're looking for.
0: Why do you think the Camino is so special?
1: I don't think there are many opportunities in this busy world that we live in for us to step away from the day-to-day distractions, to do so safely with so much support, you know, along the way, and to be able to, you know, um, offer yourself that opportunity for reflection and that common that commonality that we share with the other pilgrims who are also carving time out of busy lives to do the very same thing so here we are we're all on our own individual journeys but we're taking this common path we have a the same destination in Santiago de Compostela and we're walking in the footsteps of so many pilgrims before us who have also asked themselves those deeper aged, age old questions like, you know, where do I make my contribution next? How do I be my best self? You know, who is it that I really want to be?
0: Yeah. When you have the courage in some respects to ask those questions, you often already know the answer. But you've never that's had the, true. you know, you've never had the courage to ask.
1: <laughs> is, is it, we're all looking for affirmation, Dan.
0: Yeah, that's it. You know, you think <laughs> I, I've already asked myself this. I have never had, you know, I've thought about it, but I've never actually asked myself the question. Let's let's just step back onto the Camino for a moment, if I can, ask you to picture in your mind what would you change about your journey if you could on the Camino.
1: What would I change about my journey? I I don't know that I would change anything. I met such wonderful people um, who I continue to stay in close touch with. So I feel, you know, blessed to have had those folks uh, who walked either parts of the journey with me or, or in some cases, most of the way. I had this opportunity with my daughter that was a shared experience and with memories that will have forever. You know, some wonderful memories, others that were hard fought. I had an opportunity to um, rekindle my faith in a way that was very unexpected to me and has stayed with me. So when you ask, what are some of the things that are with you today? And that is that, you know, that, that connection with my faith and with God that has really stayed with me. So I would do it again, and I hope I will do it again. I've been talking about that with, uh, with a friend of mine, and I know it will be completely different so I don't think I would change anything. I think I would just do it again and see what was new, maybe take a different route. There are so many wonderful routes that you can take, perhaps through France. They say the food is very good in France as well.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. It's worth walking in France. It's not quite so busy and it's absolutely glorious. The countryside is so beautiful.
1: What was or We can work on our French.
0: Yeah, exactly. What was something you'd wished you'd packed but didn't?
1: Well, my pack started out as 18 pounds, and I eventually mm. pared it down to 15. So I was pretty strategic yeah. uh, about what went in the pack. And I will say this, the, the lipstick went along. That was, uh, that was important to <laughs> me. Juliette, on the other hand, she, uh, her pack weighed 30 pounds. I think she had two books in there. One, one of her books was called um, A Short History of Everything. And I think it was—I think it was about four inches thick. You know, you could use it as a doorstop. Goodness. And it, the the metaphor there being that you know that was what was important to her, and we all have different things that are important to us. So I don't think there was anything that I didn't have that I needed. But what was in my pack was very different, and what I needed was very different than what my daughter wanted.
0: Yeah. Was there anything in your pack that you could have left behind?
1: I had a pretty good med kit, and um, I figured that if it had anything to do with my feet, it was allowed in the pack. I didn't need everything, but I was fortunate in that regard. So I was able to give a few things away to share and to help some other pilgrims who did need a few things. So, and I lost a few things along the way from being, you know, not quite as careful as I could have, whether you take something and you leave it in a shower behind. Um, one of the things, though, that became very important to me was a little pin that I had on my hat. And hats are really important to me, Dan. And by the way, I see you're a hat wearer oh, as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so having the right hat was really important. And I had this, uh, this white cloth hat, which was just perfect. And I had this pin with the um, symbol of the scallop shell that is still uh, pinned on the side of that hat.
0: How fantastic. You know, uh, you've got a website uh, as an author, tracypowelski.com. And I was, I was on there today just sort of doing a little bit of research and I found a survey that you've only just put up there. And it says, is El Camino de Santiago a good fit for you? Answer these 20 quick questions to find out. So I won't go through all 20 questions, but there are just a handful that I think uh, will, will help us sort of learn a little bit about you. You say in, in question number one, do you enjoy meeting people from all over the world? Well, that's common sense, isn't it?
1: Sure. Yeah. And you know, it, it's it's wonderful because the mix of people um, from all over the world was one of the one of the most memorable parts of El Camino to Santiago. And I love listening to languages, meeting people from other cultures. And when I when I put the questionnaire together. There are no wrong answers, but I was asked these questions and I thought, why not frame them and give a little perspective to people who might be thinking about whether or not Camino is a good fit for them? And so certainly that, um, that appetite for um, meeting people from all kinds of walks and places that are very different um, from where I live and backgrounds very different from my own, that was a big draw for me.
0: You well that leads perfectly into question five. Are you tolerant of other cultures and political beliefs?
1: Yeah, I think that El Camino is um is a practice in tolerance. And it's not just for um, shared quarters and, and dormitories of anywhere between 20 and 120, yeah, maybe yeah. very noisy yeah, yeah. pilgrims snoring <laughs> and rustling their bags fantastic. and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you learn to, be, um, to practice tolerance. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, like I said earlier, for those um, differences of Political opinion and background, um, and things that are different from your own. I mean, that's how we grow and stretch—not from talking to people who are just like us and share all of our um, all of our thoughts and feelings, but people who are very different. That's that's what I find so incredibly appealing.
0: I love uh, question seven. Are you willing to wash your clothes by hand most nights? <laughs>
1: That's that's a good one isn't it because you know um, if you're carrying what you need on your back um, you better learn to wash your your bits and pieces along the way yeah. so that tradition and and I I love the fact that you know you had a routine every day where and when we were when we were walking across the meseta and it was very very hot we would of course set out pre-dawn with our headlamps on and we would try and arrive by at least two o'clock in the afternoon before the the Spanish sun really you know really got hot in the sky yeah. and then you would you would find your albergue you would take a shower and wash your clothes and hang them hang them in the hot Spanish sun to dry and then you would go out and explore the town and talk to fellow pilgrims and attend a pilgrim's mass and have a uh, have a pilgrim's meal. It was it was just such a wonderful, simple, um, and I'll use this word predictable. Um, and that's not a that's not a, a bad word, but a predictable day that you would have each day in terms of your daily routine.
0: Yeah, there's another question here that says, "Are you happy to be alone with your thoughts?" Because that's inevitable, isn't it?
1: Well, that's why we're there, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I had a, a good Swedish friend and I know you've spoken to other pilgrims as well um, who loved the communal aspect of El Camino de Santiago in the evening when they would share a meal and they would perhaps share a mass. But really during the day, they preferred to walk alone to be with their thoughts and to sort through whatever it was that they were that they were sorting out for themselves.
0: Yeah, and and that's the joy of the individual walk that you spoke about right at the start. We are all walking together, but you, if you want to, you can really get out and find your own space, which is just a beautiful thing, a wonderful thing. Now, if you're interested in finding Tracy's uh, surveys, it's dot com, Tracy T R A C Y, TracyPowelsky dot com. Now, tell us a Camino story, Tracy.
1: Well, let's see. I told you this story about uh, about my birthday in uh, in Pamplona. I will tell you um, when we walked into Santiago. Um, you know, I know people have a different reaction. Some people are incredibly relieved and and really have that sort of epiphany that they that they were hoping for. But for me, walking into Santiago was wonderful. I was looking forward to the pilgrims' mass. I, I wanted to wait until the next day so that I could really give it my full attention. And and I was feeling actually a little bit lost, like, well, now what am I supposed to do? Yeah. So I, I went in search of a glass of Albarino uh, wine, the white wine that you find in Lithia that's so delicious, and, um, and sat down and watched these pilgrims come in and, and, and got a lot of hugs because there were people who I had met along the way. And I thought about, well, you know, w- what next? And I will say this, Juliet and I were, were planning the next day to leave for Finisterre. And uh, when we did eventually, and we didn't walk, by the way, we, we decided to take the bus at that point, although we had walked um into you know uh, from Saint Jean to to Santiago de Compostela, yeah. um, when we got to Finisterre and to land's end, um, there was something about that that gave me the sense of finality I think that I was looking for um, hitting the making it to the ocean and uh, and and getting there and thinking about that being my final destination instead of just the cathedral in Santiago de Compostela. Do you
0: sometimes get lost?
1: Well, if you mean do I do I get lost um, driving the car or or you know I'm one of those people that doesn't really like to get lost. Right. But I and I did get lost once. Uh, we did get lost once on um, El Camino when we had set out pre-dawn and missed a, missed an arrow. Um, but I do think that the whole concept of letting go and letting it be okay to get lost Mm. is a good practice and one that I need to work on because you let go of the control that you feel you need to have and then you just let things happen and and there's there's some real beauty in that as well.
0: And it's fun to be found too.
1: (laughs) I was happy to be found by my husband. I missed him after so many days
0: what do you think the Camino is trying to tell us?
1: Well, I think the Camino is trying to tell us that we are all works in progress and that sometimes the hardest journeys offer the greatest rewards. So to be open-hearted to the, the up and the down, despite that fact that we were striving for balance, um, you know, as a result, of walking El Camino de Santiago, Juliet ended up as a teacher in the Aleutian Islands of Alaska. So that, that concept of taking the next step and not knowing exactly where it's going to, to lead you, but being open-hearted about what you might find, I think that's one of the things that uh, the Camino is trying to tell us.
0: What's next for Tracy Pawelski?
1: Well, as a result, I told you that Juliet ended up as a teacher in Alaska. That is her profession today. And I ended up taking a walk on the Annapurna Circuit in Nepal. As a result, yeah, as a result of some friends that I met on on the Camino. So I am right now trying working on a manuscript about what it's like to walk. A long distance trek in the Himalayas.
0: Wow, so how far did you walk?
1: Well, they don't measure as much in miles as they do in altitude. Dan. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> that's right.
0: Well you don't walk nearly the same distances, do you? Because you've got to much, that's much slower. Right. Yeah, it
1: doesn't translate quite the same way in yeah. miles or kilometers when you're talking uh, altitude. But uh, what a what an interesting journey! Um, I, I tentatively, the manuscript is titled "One Woman's Walk in the Himalayas." Not every idea is a good idea, but you don't know until you try. So again, that concept of what do you do when things don't work out like you planned. Because they never do. So the life lesson is they never do. So how do you, how do you pivot? How do you adapt? How do you take the next step with courage?
0: Will the Camino always hold a special place in your heart and in Juliet's heart and, and in a way to, and- to, to, together?
1: Absolutely. You know, you can never take that shared experience away. What a, what a wonderful, you know, what a blessing that was to be able to walk with Juliet. And um, we'll always have that together. And, and I hope that we have more journeys like that along the way. They won't be the same, but um, they will certainly be in search of that same common ground.
0: And I think it's safe to say that you're enjoying that search.
1: I'm a seeker. I think that everyone <laughs> on Camino is a seeker.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you find what you're looking for. Thank
1: you, Dan.
0: I, I love your energy, Tracy. And I think the Camino has been a gift for you and for me. It has
1: been a gift. Yeah. You know, sometimes I, I use those very words, Dan. I describe it as a gift.
0: Yeah. I, I, so I, I call I it, so it a gift that keeps the giving.
1: Opportunity. Pardon?
0: I, I call it a gift that keeps on giving.
1: That's right. And this this conversation and the people that I've met, um, the fellow pilgrims and people like you, Dan, is testament to that.
0: Thank you for your time today, Tracy. Thank you for your scholarship. And congratulations on the book. I'll tell my listeners where to get it once we're finished. But I, I, I know it's late in the evening there and you've been very kind with your time. So thank you very much, Tracy. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. Buen Camino.
1: Buen Camino, Dan.
0: My guest this week is the American writer and pilgrim, Tracy Pawelski. You can find Tracy's book, One Woman's Camino, Each Step, The Promise of a New Beginning, at Amazon and at Tracy Pawelski, P-A-W-E-L-S-K-I, T-R-A-C-Y, TracyPawelski.com. It's about sharing and caring, about a journey on foot and a journey within. And it's a journey we are all walking together pilgrims around the world. Washington Irving was an American writer, historian, and diplomat. He said, sweet is the memory of distant friends, like the mellow rays of the departing sun. It falls tenderly, yet sadly, on the heart. Thanks for your company again this week. And let me just say again how sorry I am. I missed a couple of weeks of the podcast. I'll try to make sure it doesn't happen again. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. I'm not yet ready to say buen camino because I remember a couple of weeks ago my wife insisted that I play a song from my album Duende to finish off each podcast. So this week, it's a, well, it's a story about trying to find what you're looking for in some respects. This is a song called Yellow Brick Road. And it follows a familiar journey, and I think you're going to love it. This is Yellow Brick Road off my album Duende. I'm Dan Mullins. Until next week, buen camino.
2: the world for a ride. All I want is a little hope. All it takes is John Baptist's head on a plate. Call me the tin man without a heart. Taking the world down before I should start. All I want is a little faith all it takes is a little loose change is it revelation is it the last temptation is it the life you live on the way is it the ancient art of survival